Hello, grade fours. We are continuing with our read aloud of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets by J.K. Rowling. We are on chapter 11 now. Um, and just so you have an idea of how much we've read in the book, there are 18 chapters. So we're on chapter 11. More than halfway done our book so far. Okay, chapter 11 is called The Dueling Club. So let's get started. Harry woke up on Sunday morning to find the dormitory blazing with winter sunlight and his arm reboned but very stiff. He sat up quickly and looked over at Colin's bed, but it had been blocked from view by the high curtains Harry had changed behind yesterday. Seeing that he was awake, Madame Pomfrey came bustling over with a breakfast tray and then began bending and stretching his arm and his fingers. All in order, she said, as he clumsily fed himself porridge left-handed. When you've finished eating, you may leave. Harry dressed as quickly as he could and hurried off to Gryffindor Tower, desperate to tell Ron and Hermione about Colin and Dobby, but they weren't there. Harry left to look for them, wondering where they could have got to, and feeling slightly hurt that they weren't interested in whether he had his bones back or not. As Harry passed the library, Percy Weasley strolled out of it, looking in far better spirits than last time they'd met. Oh, hello, Harry, he said. Excellent flying yesterday, really excellent. Gryffindor have just taken the lead for the House Cup. You earned 50 points. You haven't seen Ron or Hermione, have you? said Harry. No, I haven't, said Percy, his smile fading. I hope Ron's not in another girl's toilet. Harry forced a laugh, watched Percy out of sight, and then headed straight for Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. He couldn't see why Ron and Hermione would be in there again, but after making sure that neither Filch nor any prefects were around, he opened the door and heard their voices coming from a locked cubicle. It's me, he said, closing the door behind him. There was a clunk, a splash, and a gasp from within the cubicle, and he saw Hermione's eye peering through the keyhole. Harry, she said, you gave us such a fright. Come in, how's your arm? Fine, he said, squeezing into the cubicle. An old cauldron was perched on the toilet, and a crackling from under the room told Harry they had lit a fire beneath it. Conjuring up, Portable, waterproof fires was a specialty of Hermione's. We'd have come to meet you, but we decided to get started on the polyjuice potion, Ron explained, as Harry, with difficulty, locked the cubicle again. We've decided this is the safest place to hide it. Harry started to tell them about Colin, but Hermione interrupted. We already know. We heard Professor McGonagall telling Professor Flitwick this morning. That's why we decided we'd better get going. The sooner we get a confession out of Malfoy, the better, snarled Ron. Do you know what I think? He was in such a foul temper after the Quidditch match, he took it out on Colin. There's something else, said Harry, watching Hermione tearing bundles of knotgrass and throwing them into the potion. Dobby came to visit me in the middle of the night. Ron and Hermione looked up, amazed. Harry told them everything Dobby had told him or hadn't told him. Ron and Hermione listened with their mouths open. The Chamber of Secrets has been opened before, said Hermione. That settles it, 
said Rome in a triumphant voice. Lucius Malfoy must have opened the chamber when he was at school here, and now he's told dear old Draco how to do it. It's obvious. Wish Dobby told you what kind of monster's in there, though. Want to know how come nobody's noticed it sneaking around the school. Maybe it can make itself invisible, said Hermione, prodding leeches to the bottom of the cauldron. Or maybe it can disguise itself, pretending to be a suit of armor or something. I've read about chameleon ghouls. You read too much, Hermione, said Ron, pouring dead lace wings on top of the leeches. He crumpled up the empty lacewing bag and looked round at Harry. So Dobby stopped us getting onto the train and broke your arm. He shook his head. You know what, Harry? If he doesn't stop trying to save your life, he's going to kill you. The news that Colin Creevy had been attacked and was now lying as though dead in the hospital wing had spread through the entire school by Monday morning. The air was a suddenly thick was suddenly thick with rumor and suspicion. The first years were now moving around the castle in a tight-knit group, as though scared they would be attacked if they ventured forth alone. Ginny Weasley, who sat next to Colin Creevy and Charms, was distraught. But Harry felt that Fred and George were going the wrong way about cheering her up. They were taking it in turns to cover themselves with fur or boils and jump out at her from behind statues. They only stopped when Percy, apoplectic with rage, told them he was going to write to Mrs. Weasley and tell her Ginny was having nightmares. Meanwhile, hidden from the teachers, a roaring trade in talismans, amulets, and other protective devices was sweeping the school. Neville Longbottom bought a large, evil-smelling green onion, a pointed purple crystal, and a rotting newt tail before the other Gryffindor boys pointed out that he was in no danger. He was a pureblood, and therefore unlikely to be attacked. They went for Filch first, Neville said, his round face fearful. And everyone knows I'm almost a squib. In the second week of December, Professor McGonagall came around as usual, collecting names of those who would be staying at school for Christmas. Harry, Ron, and Hermione signed her list. They had heard that Malfoy was staying, which struck them as very suspicious. The holidays would be the perfect time to use the Polyjuice potion and try to worm a confession out of him. Unfortunately, the potion was only half finished. They still needed the bicorn horn and the boomsling skin, and the only place they were going to get them was from Snape's private stores. Harry privately felt he'd rather face Slytherin's legendary monster than have Snape catch him robbing his office. What we need, said Hermione briskly, as Thursday afternoon's double potions lesson loomed nearer, is a diversion. Then one of us can sneak into Snape's office and take what we need. Harry and Ron looked at her nervously. I think I'd better do the actual stealing, Hermione continued, in a matter-of-fact tone. You two will be expelled if you get in any more trouble, and I've got a clean record. So all you need to do is cause enough mayhem to keep Snape busy for five minutes or so. Harry smiled feebly, deliberately causing mayhem in Snape's potion glasses about as safe as poking a sleeping dragon in the eye. Potions lessons took place in one of the large dungeons. Thursday afternoon's lesson proceeded in the usual way. Twenty cauldrons stood steaming between the wooden desks, on which stood brass scales and jars of ingredients. Snape prowled through the fumes, making 
waspish remarks about the Gryffindor's work while the Slytherins sniggered appreciatively. Draco Malfoy, who was Snape's favorite student, kept flicking pufferfish eyes at Ron and Harry, who knew that if they retaliated, they would get detention faster than you could say unfair. Harry's swelling solution was far too runny, but he had his mind on more important things. He was waiting for Hermione's signal, and he hardly listened as Snape paused to sneer at his watery potion. When Snape turned and walked off to bully Neville, Hermione caught Harry's eye and nodded. Harry ducked swiftly down behind his cauldron, pulled one of Fred filibuster fireworks out of his pocket, and gave it a quick prod with his wand. The firework began to fizz and sputter. Knowing he had only seconds, <clears throat> Harry straightened up, took aim, and lobbed it into the air. It landed right on target in Goyle's cauldron. Goyle's potion exploded, showering the whole class. People shrieked as splashes of the swelling potion hit them. Malfoy got a faceful and his nose began to swell like a balloon. Goyle blundered around, his hands over his eyes, which had expanded to the size of dinner plates, while Snape was trying to restore calm and find out what had happened. Through the confusion, Harry saw Hermione slip quietly out of the door. Silence! Silence! Snape roared. Anyone who has been splashed, come here for a deflating drought. When I find out who did this... Harry tried not to laugh as he watched Malfoy hurry forward, his head drooping with the weight of a nose like a small melon. As half the class lumbered up to Snape's desk, some weighed down the, with arms like clubs, others unable to talk through gigantic puffed-up lifts. Harry saw Hermione slide back into the dungeon, the front of her robes bulging. When everyone had taken a swig of antidote and the various swellings had subsided, Snape swept over to Goyle's cauldron and scooped out the twisted black remains of the firework. There was a sudden hush. If I ever find out who threw this, Snape whispered, I shall make sure that person is expelled. Harry arranged his face into what he hoped was a puzzled expression. Snape was looking right at him. And the bell rang. And the bell, which rang ten minutes later, could not have been more welcome. He knew it was me, Harry told Ron and Hermione as they hurried back to Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. I could tell. Hermione threw the new ingredients in the cauldron and began to stir feverishly. It'll be ready in a fortnight, she said happily. Snape can't prove it was you, said Ron, reassuringly to Harry. What can he do? Knowing Snape... Something foul, said Harry, as the potion frothed and bubbled. A week later, Harry, Ron, and Hermione were walking across the entrance hall when they saw a small knot of people gathered around the notice board, reading a piece of parchment that had just been pinned up. Seamus Finnegan and Dean Thomas beckoned them over, looking excited. They're starting a dueling club, said Seamus. First meeting tonight. I wouldn't mind dueling lessons. They might come in handy one of these days. What, you reckon Slytherin's monster can duel, said Ron, but he too read the sign with interest. Could be useful, he said to Harry and Hermione as they went into dinner. Shall we go? Harry and Hermione were all for it, so at eight o'clock that evening they hurried back to the great hall. The long dining tables had vanished, and the golden stage had appeared along one wall. 
lit by thousands of candles floating overhead. The ceiling was velvety black once more, and most of the school seemed to be packed beneath it, all carrying their wands and looking excited. I wonder who will be teaching us, said Hermione as they edged into the chattering crowd. Some, someone told me Flitwick was a dueling champion when he was young. Maybe it'll be him. As long as it's not... Harry began, but he ended on a groan. Gilderoy Lockhart was walking onto the stage, resplendent in robes of deep plum and accompanied by none other than Snape, wearing his usual black. Lockhart waved an arm for silence and called, Gather round! Gather round! Can everybody see me? Can you all hear me? Excellent! Now, Professor Dumbledore has granted me permission to start this little dueling club to train you all up in case you ever need to defend yourselves, as I myself have done on countless occasions. For full details, see my published works. Let me introduce my assistant, Professor Snape, said Lockhart, flashing a wide smile. He tells me he knows a tiny little bit about dueling himself and has sportingly agreed to help me with a short demonstration before we begin. Now, I don't want any of you youngsters to worry. You'll still have your potions, Master, when I'm through with him. Never fear. Wouldn't it be good if they finished each other off? Ron muttered in Harry's ear. Snape's upper lip was curling. Harry wondered why Lockhart was still smiling. If Snape had been looking at him like that, He'd have been running as fast as he could in the opposite direction. Lockhart and Snape turned to face each other and bowed. At least Lockhart did, with much twirling of his hands, whereas Snape jerked his head irritably. Then they raised their wands like swords in front of them. As you see, we are holding our wands in the accepted combative position, Lockhart told the silent crowd. On the count of three, we will cast our first spells. Neither of us will be aiming to kill, of course. I wouldn't bet on that, Harry murmured, watching Snape baring his teeth. One, two, three. Both of them swung their wands up and over their shoulders. Snape cried, Expelliarmus! There was a dazzling flash of scarlet light and Lockhart was blasted off his feet. He flew backwards off the stage, smashed into the wall and slid down it to sprawl on the floor. Malfoy and some of the other Slytherins cheered. Hermione was dancing on tiptoes. Do you think he's all right? She squealed through her fingers. Who cares, said Harry and Ron together. Lockhart was getting unsteadily to his feet. His hat had fallen off and his wavy hair was standing on end. Well, there you have it, he said, tottering back onto the platform. That was a disarming charm, as you see. I've lost my wand. Ah, thank you, Miss Brown. Yes, an excellent idea to show them that, Professor Snape. But if I, you don't mind me saying so, it was very obvious what you were about to do. If I had wanted to stop you, it would have been only too easy. However, I felt it would be instructive to let them see. Snape was lurking, looking murderous. Possibly, Lockhart had noticed, because he said, Enough demonstrating. I'm going to come amongst you now and put you all into pairs. Professor Snape, if you'd like to help me. They moved through the crowd, matching up partners. Lockhart teamed Neville with Justin Finch Fletchley, but Snape reached Harry and Ron first. 
Time to split up the dream team, I think, he sneered. Weasley, you can partner Finnegan. Potter? Harry moved automatically towards Hermione. I don't think so, said Snape, smiling coldly. Mr. Malfoy, come over here. Let's see what you make of the famous Potter. And you, Miss Granger, you can partner with Miss Bulstrode. Malfoy strutted over, smirking. Behind him walked a Slytherin girl who reminded Harry of a picture he'd seen in Holidays with Hags. She was large and square, and her heavy jaw jutted aggressively. Hermione gave her a weak smile, which she did not return. Face your partners, called Lockhart back on the platform, platform, and bow. Harry and Malfoy barely inclined their heads, not taking their eyes off each other. Wands at the ready, shouted Lockhart. When I count to three, cast your charms to disarm your opponent. Only to disarm them. We don't want any accidents. One, two, three. Harry swung his wand over his shoulder, but Malfoy had already started on two. His spell hit Harry so hard, he felt as though he'd been hit over the head with a saucepan. He stumbled, but everything still seemed to be working, and wasting no more time, Harry pointed his wand straight at Malfoy and shouted, Rictusempra! A jet of silver light hit Malfoy in the stomach, and he doubled up, wheezing. I said disarm only, Lockhart shouted in alarm over the heads of the battling crowd as Malfoy sank to his knees. Harry had hit him with a tickling charm, and he could barely move for laughing. Harry hung back with a vague feeling it would be unsporting to bewitch Malfoy while he was on the floor. But this was a mistake. Gasping for breath, Malfoy pointed his wand at Harry's knees, choked. Tarantalegra! And next second, Harry's legs had begun to jerk around out of his control in a kind of quick step. Stop! Stop! screamed Lockhart. But Snape, Snape took charge. Finite incatatum, he shouted. Harry's feet stopped dancing. Malfoy stopped laughing, and they were able to look up. A haze of greenish smoke was hovering over the scene. Both Neville and Justin were lying on the floor, panting. Ron was holding up an ashen-faced Seamus, apologizing for whatever his broken wand had done. But Hermione and Millicent Bolstrove were still moving. Millicent had Hermione in a headlock, and Hermione was whimpering in pain. Both their wands lay forgotten on the floor. Harry leapt forward and pulled Millicent off. It was difficult. She was a lot bigger than he was. Dear, dear, said Lockhart, skittering through the crowd, looking at the aftermath of the duels. Up you get, Macmillan. Careful there, Miss Fawcett. Pinch it hard. It'll stop bleeding in a second. I think I'd better teach you how to block unfriendly spells, said Lockhart, standing flustered in the midst of the hall. He glanced at Snape, whose black eyes glinted, and looked quickly away. Let's have a volunteer pair. Longbottom and Finch Fletchley, how about you? Bad idea, Professor Lockhart, said Snape, gliding over like a large and malevolent bat. Longbottom causes devastation with the simplest spells. We'll be sending what's left of fin Finch Fletchley up to the hospital wing in a matchbox. Neville's round pink face went pinker. 
How about Malfoy and Potter? said Snape with a twisted smile. <laughs> Excellent idea, said Lockhart, gesturing Harry and Malfoy into the middle of the hall as the crowd backed away to give them room. Now, Harry, said Lockhart, when Draco points his wand at you, you do this. He raised his own wand, attempted a complicated sort of wiggling action, and dropped it. Snape smirked as Lockhart quickly picked it up, saying, Whoops, my wand is a little overexcited. Snape moved closer to Malfoy, bent down and whispered something in his ear. Malfoy smirked, too. Harry lurked nervously up at Lockhart and said, Professor, could you show me that blocking thing again? Scared, muttered Malfoy, so that Lockhart couldn't hear him. You wish, said Harry out of the corner of his mouth. Lockhart cuffed Harry merrily on the shoulder. Just do what I did, Harry. What? Drop my wand? But Lockhart wasn't listening. Three, two, one, go, he shouted. Malfoy raised his wand quickly and bellowed. Serpent Sortia! The end of his wand exploded. Harry watched, aghast, as a long black snake shot out of it, fell heavily onto the floor between them, and raised itself ready to strike. There were screams as the crowd backed swiftly away, clearing the floor. Don't move, Potter, said Snape lazily clearly enjoying the sight of Harry standing motionless, eye to eye with the angry snake. I'll get rid of it. Allow me, shouted Lockhart. He brandished his wand at the snake, and there was a loud bang. The snake, instead of vanishing, flew ten feet into the air and fell back to the floor with a loud smack. Enraged, hissing furiously, it slithered straight towards Dustin, Justin Finch Fletchley and raised itself again, Fangs exposed, poised to strike. Harry wasn't sure what made him do it. He wasn't even aware of deciding to do it. All he knew was that his legs were carrying him forward as though he was on casters and that he had shouted stupidly at the snake. Leave him! And miraculously, inexplicably, the snake slumped to the floor, docile as a thick black garden hose, its eyes now on Harry. Harry felt the fear drain out of him. He knew the snake wouldn't attack anyone now, though how he knew it, he couldn't have explained. He looked up at Justin, grinning, expecting to see Justin looking relieved, or puzzled, or even grateful, but not cer but certainly not angry and scared. What do you think you're playing at? he shouted, and before Harry could say anything, Justin had turned and stormed out of the hall. Snape stepped forward, waved his wand, and the snake vanished in a small puff of black smoke. Snape, too, was looking at Harry in an unexpected way. It was a shrewd and calculating look, and Harry didn't like it. He was also dimly aware of an ominous muttering all around the walls. Then he felt a tugging on the back of his robes. Come on, said Ron, said Ron's voice in his ear. Move. Come on. And that's where we're going to stop for chapter 11 today. We'll finish chapter 11 on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.